Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Building a Bridge. My name is Jesse Brizendine. My name is Jared Countess, and our mission is to empower people to to empower people to use their voice to build a bridge beyond race relations, creating unity and understanding, effectively raising the collective consciousness of humanity. Last week, we were spending some time with Jared, and he was telling us his personal story about growing up in inner city Baltimore, about what that was like. And I think Jared did an incredible job of painting two sides, two different, different pictures of the reality of what it is, but also then giving us some indicators of what it took for him to get out of there. And I think I, I just, I shouldn't even say I think, Jared, I just want to start by acknowledging and thanking you for that again, because you and I have talked privately about that. And I think it was tremendously courageous and very courageous, but also very kind of you to let us into have that glimpse into your personal life and see a different reality than many of us may have ever experienced before. And I know I learned tremendously from hearing you share. So thank you for that. And then I'll let you tell us what we're going to talk about today. Okay. So today we're going to talk about, um, the keys to, um, we're going to try to, we're going to do our best to talk about the keys to um, transitioning from, I mean, really it's basically going from a, a survive mentality to a thrive mentality, right? Because the things that we'll do to survive, right? Depending on our, our reality, right? The world that we're growing up in, right? Um, can can be very animalistic, right? <laughs> Whereas if we're human beings and we're trying to thrive, that's when we can, we, we can do absolutely positively um, amazing things. And then in believing in the ability to thrive and then the means by which we go through thriving. And so we, we, talked, we talked about the main key to that is instilling hope, right? Instilling hope in people that, you know, I can reach for something better or something better is possible for me. And I, if I should start moving my life towards that now, as opposed to later, right? I think a lot of times we set, you know, then I'll let you go. We set um, a limiter on hope or something like that, or, or, or when we're going to reach to try something, right? I'll start working on that once I've done this, or once I get here, I'll believe that that can happen or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When a lot of times you kind of have to believe that anything can happen to get you to that nice stable point in a good position, if that makes any kind of sense. So like for me, I didn't think that I would live past 18, 18, 20. So, you know, um, what ended up happening was I was a straight A student and then, uh, you know, basically I had a conversation with my parents that said, we're not going to be able to pay for school for you. Right. My dad said, we're not. So if you don't get a full scholarship, then you're not going to school at that point in time. Right. When I was a straight A student, I was like, well, if I make it right, I want to go to like a Harvard or Yale or Princeton. Like this is my goal. Like I'm not full of bullshit. Like I made that decision at like nine. <laughs> I was like, that's why I was so hard pressed to be number one. And so he didn't know that like right after, like right before that. I, and I was blessed. Like I said, I was blessed even though I grew up in Baltimore City. I went to a, a, a small private school all the way up through middle school. And um, the, it, went, it, went, it was a middle school, high school. And um, it, the, one of the kids who was super smart kid, you know, geeks hang out, right? <laughs> he got his perfect score in his SATs and he didn't get into Harvard. And I was like, oh, did that happen i didn't know about the this was before harvard came out with he was asian before harvard came out with that scandal where they were like not allowing they had to clip their number of asian entrants so that's probably that's probably why he didn't get in but he got perfect score in his sats top class he didn't get into the fucking harvard and i was like well, fuck i was like i might not get in but i'm not gonna get a scholarship i was like well i can coast and get a, a scholarship anywhere so i did so i decided that i was gonna coast and live my life right um, still not expecting to really get past 18, but I was like, if I do, okay, I'll get into college and then I'll figure it out from there. Right. I'll, and I'll do enough and I'll live. And so 
that when I lost that hope, I underperformed in school for the rest mm-hmm. of my time. Right. Uh, and so I, you know, so when I did make it to 18 and graduate, was graduating from high school and I did get a college, college, I only applied to three schools. They all gave me money. And I went to the school that gave me the most money, right, for academics. And, but it wasn't a Harvard or Yale or Princeton, right? It wasn't any of those, right? And I went to college having no fucking clue what I wanted to do with my life. I was like, not a, like I went from somebody who was planning to go to a Harvard, Yale, or Princeton at nine years old, right? <laughs> to somebody who's going to college, like, I don't know, I didn't even expect to make it this far. Like, I don't even, I don't have any. And I was like, I'm not going to a good, this is, childish 16 17 you know a teenager not going to a good enough school to really do anything amazing with my life so (laughs) this is is so skewed and it probably sounds so condescending or whatever i don't know what the fuck it sounds like anyway i was like i'm not going to any major school to do anything really special in my life so i'll just you know figure it out um while i'm there but like you know it, it was hope and belief and all that stuff, it allows you to start planning for a future, right? And set yourself up to be in the best position for the best next step, right? And if you decide you don't want to go that route, right? You're still in a better position to offshoot, to branch off to something else. I'm not saying all kids aren't lost and all kids don't get lost and blah, 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 blah. But if you can, the thing is, can you instill enough hope in a kid to do enough of the right things? So what I didn't do was, like I said, when I was 12, you know, I didn't, 12, 13, I didn't decide to start selling drugs and hustling and become a gangster. That was the first hopeful, like, decision. And, I, and I, even though I didn't, I stopped performing as well in school, right, I didn't allow my performance to drop to the point that I couldn't get into college. Right. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to be a gangster. If I make it this far, I'll at least go here. Right. And so that the, there was, there was like this, this, this balance of decisions. Does that, am I making any kind of sense? And whereas like, if he would have never said that to me, like, I don't think I, I because of the family I come from, I would have dropped out of school or anything, but I would have been low key, a hood, a hoodlum. Right. But I might have, but had I not lost the hope of going to whatever, or I might have turned the drugs into a way to pay for college. That would, I think that probably would have been my more logical, I was a deep thinker, guys. So that would have been my more logical, you know, way, way of, way of trying to, trying to, trying to uh, get into um, one of those schools. Now my godfather went to Harvard and and my little brothers at Stanford Law. So it, these were these were like real things in my mind. Like I'm like really, you know what I mean? And so um, this sounds so fucking weird. And yes, I am still from Baltimore and all this stuff. And I still had all these aspirations. It's, just, it's weird. As I'm a weird person. But hope is the key. Sorry for that ramble. What did it say that made sense? <laughs> Jesse. <laughs> oh, all over the place. I think I'm going to die every day, but I want to go to Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when I, Jared and I have talked about this, we've been talking about during the morning, and when I think of hope, I think that what hope is at its fundamental core is it inspires a belief that there's an outcome possible for you that is more favorable to, than your current reality. So it's inspiring an outcome that is more favorable to you than your current reality. And we see hope show up in a, mag- in a plethora of ways, whether it's the people we choose to date, whether it's the grocery stores we, use, we choose to shop at, it's the lotto tickets we buy, it's the choices we make and the choices we don't make. Oftentimes, if we really look at the reasons why we're doing those, why we're making those choices, why we're engaging those behaviors, we do it because we have some sort of hope that it's gonna produce an outcome that is more favorable to us and more favorable reality. So then it leads to the question of, well, how does hope come? Where does hope come from? How do we create it at scale? And why does it seem so elusive for so many, specifically for the people who grow up in poor inner city, high areas that we might stereotype as more 
crime or more underpoverished, underpoverished or underprivileged. And I don't have answers for that. I have theories. One of the theories I was sharing with Jared beforehand is what would the world be like if we didn't put entertainment in entertainers and athletes at the high pedestal we did, or we put them at an equal pedestal as we do with teachers and accountants and other jobs that are very, they're very important societal jobs, but they don't have the glitz and glamour as a basketball player or a singer. It'd be interesting to see, would it make a difference? Because we were talking about, and I remember seeing Charles Barkley had said, Charles Barkley, the former power forward who played for the 76ers, the Phoenix Suns and the Houston Rockets, one of the greatest NBA players of all time. And I remember him commenting one time that he had gone to speak at two different schools. One was predominantly black, one was predominantly white. And he was saying that the predominantly black school, when he asked how many people wanted to become a basketball player when they grew up, 99% of the hands grow up, go up. And then how many of them want to grow up to be a doctor or something like that? He said like 1%. And then he goes to the predominantly white school and the, the number is reversed. And Barclay's argument was, is we need to do something to inspire hope for kids in these black schools to have a hope greater than an athlete because he as a former basketball player was trying to tell them that your odds of getting to where I was are slim to none you know I'm six foot whatever I was this I was that most of us just genetically we're not even going to have that literally the height to try to go to the NBA so and 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 keep in mind that this is a major massive stereotype I'm making right now of making it about athletes and entertainers I think it goes much deeper than that I think that, you know, so I, I hypothesize, and I'd be curious what you all think of this too, is what would it be like if our news media, if our media coverage had to be devo devoted to 90% was hoping, was about hope. If it, we showed the, you know, a lot, of t a lot of the media right now is very divisive and we focus in on the things that are wrong. We focus on the people who are fighting, the people who aren't getting along, the lies, the deceit. And rarely do we acknowledge all the trust and the collaboration. Rarely do we acknowledge all the times we get along. And what if we've painted a truth, right? What if we painted, because the truth of humanity, at least I believe, is the majority of us do get along. The majority of us do have some sort of respect for one another. The majority of us do cohabitate in same geographical regions fairly well. And if we showed more images of that, would it inspire more hope? I'd be wildly curious, would it paint a different picture? Because Remember, too, our, our behaviors are going to be byproducts of our beliefs, right? Our behaviors are going to be byproducts of our beliefs. It is of great convenience that I'm afforded when I can sit here and label one group of people criminals or this or that, whatever it is. I was sharing with Jared earlier this idea most of us would be outraged when we hear stories of little children in other countries being forced into radical extremism. We've all seen the videos pasted across the news, YouTube videos, what are they called, documentaries on it, where kids five, six, seven years old will be ripped away from their families and forced into some sort of militia or radical extremism to get trained to become the next version of al-Shabaab or the Taliban or whatever terrorists. And so we were outraged by that. We're furious about it. These are little kids, for God's sakes. They don't have, they don't have the faculty to make these choices. They don't have a choice. They're teared away from their families. We know that they are literally getting threatened that if you don't go, you will die. Or if you don't come with me, I will go and rape your mom. I will torture your father. I will kill your brother. I will sell your sister into sex slavery. So if you don't go and come with us, all those things are going to happen. We know that those are some of the choices these kids are facing. And then when they show up 15 years later and they detonate a suicide bomb that kills dozens of innocent people, we demonize them and we call them terrorists, monsters. I do not agree with the action. I fully acknowledge that there is choice. And I also recognize that in that critical moment of decision, there was not a lot of hope for that little kid. 
And then they go up and they go through a period of indoctrination into a belief system where they really don't feel there's choice. They really don't feel there's hope. And then they start to believe what the culture tells them to believe. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I got statement, question, question. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love the, I wrote it down. I like it so much. Hope is inspiring. Hope is inspiring an outcome that is more favorable than your current reality. I like that. Um, I guess first my, my statement is this. I, I think it's the other way around. So I think that beliefs are products of hope or based upon hope. And your example of, of, of the kids that, you know, get snatched from their homes and then are indoctrinated to become, you know, um, suicide bombers or terrorists, right? Or the kids that are indoctrinated to become gangsters and things like that. Um, I think, or, or the people that end up becoming, um, you know, the other kind of gangs, white supremacists. Or whatever, something like. I think that hope feeds the belief. I I think that there's a hope that I can be some. Like once you take that kid out of that environment and you start to put them into probably what is a competitive atmosphere, who can be the best terrorist, <laughs> right? And then you and you tell them that by doing this you'll get into heaven or blah 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 blah, right? You're giving them a hope of something greater and then building the belief structure to support that hope, right? It's the same thing as it would, you know, this kid is, they don't, they replace the hope. They don't have a hope. They were give them a hope that you replace, you can be the baddest gangster. You can be hit of the gang. You can survive with us. You can build a name for yourself or reputation. You can gain some sort of significance through this gang, right? The hope, and then the belief system, how do I gain significance within this structure becomes that, right? So like hope, belief system to reach that goal uh, of being significant, of, of, of mattering and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, having community and connection. Community and connection. The same thing with, with your, you know, your white supremacist and all that stuff. Um, some of them, it could be, I hope that I am of the master race, right? Or I hope that, you know, I hope that you know, um, you know, I can find a community of people who accept me and love me for who I am as a member of this race, right? And then all the belief structures that need to go into that for you to gain that, right? And so I, 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 I think, I think you're, you're, I love, I love, love, love the quote. But my, and then my question, I guess, but I think the hope needs to be there, and then beliefs are we build belief structures underneath of hope to to reach that hope. I go to heaven if I be if I believe if I behave this way, right? <laughs> the hope yeah. is there's life after death, and then okay, I get there, right? It, you know, yeah. get to the positive end of that by doing these things, and I believe these things because it's you know. Um, my my question is: when you want to move someone from a a place, you know like they're in a gang or they're a member of a white supremacy group or they're a fucking terrorist or whatever, right? Um, you know, uh, how big does the hope that you replace this other belief system with have to be? Like, so like you, you, you did the one, and I encourage everybody to watch it, even though I haven't finished it yet. You're one uh, with the guy, Call Me American, right? The guy from Somalia, right? And he saw that that movie, um, Commando, and he was like, oh, there's so much food on the table, right? That's what America represents. I can have food on the table. And he probably built a whole bunch of other things underneath of that, right? Just like if there's so much food on the table, there must be all of these other things, right? <laughs> As well, right? And, and um, like for him, a starving person, that's a lot, right? That's, that's, ma that's almost major hope. That's almost like- Life and know, death. Yes, it's life and death, survival. What kind of what kind of hope structure when it turns to because in America we live in relative opulence, right? So the hope structure has to be bigger than food on the table. It has to mean some sort of significance. Does I think would you agree? Like so what yeah. so 
in a how how big do you think the hope has to be right yep um to get people to be motivated to change their behaviors to try to reach that right and even if they know like the one the best thing about christianity right or in almost every religion you'll never be perfect right <laughs> so yeah. you know you'll, you'll never quite reach the mountain but you you'll build enough beliefs to work toward it you, you know what I'm saying? Like how yes. do you you how do you create that does it have to be super super big or can we like provide yes. an incremental hope system like i love this question and i think you know i've never considered this ways which is why i love this question so much and as i'm considering it as you're asking i think it's not so much a matter of how big or large but how relevant it is i think that's the real key with it and i think that i think the big and large is our is often our outside perspective of it. But I think for those who need the hope to act, it's a matter of relevancy to them in that emotional moment of choice, right? It, it's, it's, it's the relevancy of where this person is at at that time in their life. And going back to the example, the, who, who Jared's referring to is I, I did uh, this interview with a gentleman named Abdi, and Abdi is a immigrant from Somalia. And it's one of my favorite interviews I've done this year. He's, he wrote this book called Call Me American, which is probably my favorite book I've read this year. And I've probably read I don't know, 40, 50 books this year. And it's just such an incredible story about him growing up as a kid in Somalia during the Civil War and during Al-Shabaab coming in and radical Islamic coming into Somalia afterwards. And so his story is absolutely incredible. And I was talking with him because I, I grew up watching Arnold and Sylvester Sloan movies, Rambo and Terminator and Commando. Jared grew up with those movies too, right? And so Jared and I were talking about this before and I was like, dude, you know, what did Commando mean to you? And if you guys haven't seen Commando, it's horribly cheesy, but it's Schwarzenegger at, in his Schwarzenegger-ness. I mean, he's got all the weapons. It's him versus the entire cartels and armies. And he's, carrying rocket launchers up, blowing people away, everything like that. It's everything like a, a young teenage testosterone kid could ever want for it. And so I'm, when I was talking to Abdi about this, I was asking him and I said, so, hey, you know, like I grew up watching Commander 2 and he's telling me about what connected with him most about that movie was not what Jared and I connected with it about, what connected with him both about the movies, the opening scene in the movie is Arnold's out in the outside chopping wood. And then he cuts down, not just, you know, some firewood, like most normal people would. He cuts a whole log off of a tree trunk. That's probably the size of his body. And he's carrying this tree trunk over his shoulder of one hand, you know, his biceps all pumped up and everything. And he's carrying the chainsaw on the other. And he walks in and he, you know, goes up and his daughter, which I think is a very young Alyssa Milano, comes up and hugs him and then they sit down and they have breakfast together and at breakfast they have this huge pitcher of orange juice and all this food and so abby was telling me that what connected with him as a somali growing up at that time where he would sometimes go for weeks without anything to eat where he'd have to walk for miles at night under the fire of snipers who would look and target little kids to practice shooting because they had never been, they had never been military trained. They were just basically these warring tribes in Somalia and him and his brother would have to sneak out in the cover of dark, try to get water to roll back to their family and literally the miles through with the possibility of death. Every time they walked out their door, their mom didn't know if they were going to come back. And so him from that perspective, what was relevant to him was seeing the food and thinking, my God, if I was in America, I would never go hungry again. If I was in America, I wouldn't see my family starving to death. I wouldn't see my sister not being able to eat. I wouldn't see my mom suffering. I wouldn't see my dad suffering to that degree. And I think that's the real piece of this is it's how do we, how do we understand relevance to people so the hope is appropriate because I think if we try to bring hope in at scale, if it's not relevant to that person, then it becomes something, well, that person's just so different than I am. You know, yes. it worked for them, it can never work for me. Yes. Right? And so I think that comes to this other piece of where, you know, a lot of times, and I've been horribly guilty of this, I try to inspire hope by the story of, you know, whatever, like how I was able to do this. And this is the rah-rah talk that we've all seen, you know, win one for the Gipper type speeches. 
And those inspire us because, and we connect with them, we feel them, but we have to look at context. Context is always king or queen and context giving it to a sports team, you have a group of individuals that are all aligned over the same mission, vision, goal, outcome, right? They are all wanting to win this game, win this championship, whatever it is. And for most, especially children and most adults too, but children especially, their hope is going to be contingent on life circumstances as they perceive them in that moment, their perception of reality. Yes. And it's very true for adults too. I think as adults, we might allow a little bit more flexibility. Well, you know, that's actually, I wouldn't even say that because I think adults will maybe even be sometimes a little bit more cynical because they've had life experiences that they may use cynicism to try to block the possibility of hope. I, I call it rational. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You also say Larry Bird's the greatest. So we'll... we'll... <laughs> <laughs> it's a cynicism. It's a, it's a, <laughs> no, I'm just being rational. That's what a lot of a lot of adults will call it rational, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I think that's it, Jared. So I love that question because I think that, and even in hearing you ask that question, as I think about my own experience, I realize oftentimes I will often run to scale. What is the what is the bat signal? of hope that I can shine out to the city, city, right? Which ultimately that's what the bat signal was, is it's a symbol of hope. Yes. Put this up, shine this, and then the people of Gotham will know that the bat is out there protecting and criminals will know they better get the fuck out of there because Batman's coming. Yes. And so it's, it's, it's what is that symbol of hope? Even Superman's S in the Man of Steel, they say it's not an S, it's a symbol. It means hope on my planet, right? And so it's, 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 God, I love it superhero movies i just got goosebumps <laughs> <laughs> you know so it's it's what is that symbol that we can come up with that we can develop that is relevant and is there universal symbols like a superman you know in superman both well i guess there isn't because both superman batman they have controversy right the government is afraid of superman because they don't understand him they know how powerful he is we, we were talking about this before and then with Batman, he's kind of this unchecked militia component where some people think, yeah, I get it. He's good. And others are like, whoa, whoa, whoa this isn't okay. So part of what hope is, right, is there's going to be maybe some sort of resistance from it. Oh, well, a great, a great, uh, I think you can find a universal thing for hope. Um, and it will affect people differently. But it, it, your point about relativity is most important, which is why I asked the question about how do you build that kind of hope for people in America, right? Um, because a situation is so different, right? Uh, all, you can almost say it's not really true, but the poorest person in America is still among, you know, one of the wealthiest people in the world. But yeah. relatively, <laughs> right, they're, they're poor, right? Because yeah. um, um, they're not the, comparing the, themselves to the the person living over in India, comparing yes. themselves to Jeff Bezos, who has $100 billion. Yes, exactly, right? And so, um, you know, wh what do you have to do to, to create a relative hope big enough to move them, right? Um, and, and, and I think I think from a universal idea of hope, so I like the movie, like when you said that, I thought the movie Hancock. Mm. Have you ever seen Hancock? Yeah. Uh -oh. yeah, yeah. You're 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 frozen on screen. Okay, <laughs> you froze for a second. Yeah, but um, is your audio so still the, the video will work out. Yeah. Oh, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The audio's good. So the the um the movie Hancock, he was trying to sell the symbol, right? And to corporations to say that they care, his little heart thing, whatever. And he was trying to to help um. Hancock moved from like a vigilante and an asshole, right? Who still save people, but, but to, to being like a real symbol of hope and a real hero. So, you know, you know, to me, Christ is a universal symbol of hope, right? For, for a good amount of people or Buddha or something like that, right? This kind of idealized, and I think that's why we look up to athletes and entertainers. They represent some kind of ideal to us, right? Um, but it's, 
the problem with us, I think the, the real problem with people putting athletes and entertainers on such a high pedestal, right, is that human beings are so much more complex than that, right? We are, we, we, we have, we are so much more complex and, and we have evolved even to be so much more complex than to be just two facets, entertaining and really in athletes are entertaining, entertaining and physically capable, right? Like we, mental, right? You know, love, caring. So like our biggest, our biggest rock stars are love. Hmm. Our biggest, the, the Christ fucking rock star, love. Buddha, rock star, love. right you know our biggest our our biggest you know stars are that and so i think when you talk about switching like or or mother Teresa, right i was just gonna say gandhi mlk yes right and 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 so we do look up to that but we don't like you said the media doesn't exemplify that nearly enough and, and the crazy thing is though it does sell yeah it does sell right like and even so like if if the media were to offer that image because i think the argument a lot of times is well people tune in for drama people tune in for that but people will tune in for love people will tune in for 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 inspiration for hope right and, and it's to get it's to get media outlets or even just social media to start to display that, right? And, and, and then from there, you have this universal thing, and then it's, but it's incremental steps to get to that, to that ideal, that universal, and you can build. I think, I think, you're, I think you're on point. I like, I like the uh, scale idea, right? I like it. Um, but then, and, and it kind of sparks the interest, and then you have to show somebody, well, you're not gonna go from here to there right away. You're gonna go from here to here to here, and then and then slowly, and you probably never reach there. Let's just keep it one hundred, right? <laughs> or you know, or or like a like a MLK is, is probably one of my favorite examples. Or even I like Gandhi, right? Too, but MLK is kind of more better known his story than Gandhi's is. I'll give you both of them. But MLK, most people would all evidence points to who's an adulterer. All evidence. Right, but he's still this symbolic thing of love and hope and everything else, but imperfect, right? Yeah. And and what people don't know about Gandhi is, Gandhi was not a good parent. <laughs> like like so like uh, the one story that I, I like for, about Gandhi and this his son told this story and people probably his what a, what an asshole his son was for telling this story, but his son went on to become a doctor, right? And when he told his dad, he graduated and he became a doctor and, you know, his dad was talking to him. His dad said, I'm so, Gandhi said, I'm so disappointed in you. I wanted you to be, wanted him to be something different, something, I guess, better or whatever. <laughs> right. And, and, and you know, um, maybe you guys don't look at that as a negative, Right. But for me, looking at somebody who was like a Gandhi and, you know, it's a great move, mover of peaceful protests and, you know, unifying India and all this other kind of stuff, like, you couldn't encourage your son to be what the hell he wanted to be with his life. <laughs> that's that's kind of, to me, you know, it, maybe it was honest, but it, it showed, it showed this book of glaring imperfection. Does that make any kind of sense? Yeah. And so even these great symbols of hope, right? These great symbols, you know, that sell so well, they weren't perfect. So we'll never get there. None of us will always have some kind of contradiction because we're human. But like to put that up, that being an ideal, as opposed to put, no offense, an athlete or an entertainer who may not even be reaching for that, right? But they've reached this level with this physicality when there's so much more depth and meaning to this thing we call life and to being a human being that that is that is very 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 much surface level 
and says and says nothing to to what I think we would all consider the true meaning of life in terms mm-hmm. of love and family and connection and the blah blah blah, et cetera, et cetera. We'll look at folks like that and we put them on the pedestal because we we have some sort of belief that their life is better because of who they are and therefore my life is less than theirs. And then it becomes this comparison thing and we fail to see it's and then it's interesting because we we view them from this idealistic vision of them. Not who they really are, not the human being, but the character they play in a show, the athlete we see on camera, not who they are behind the scenes. And so then oftentimes you hear these stories of people being disappointed when they meet their hero because who they play on screen and who they really are in life is not the same. It reminds you of the story of, of there was an old man in a village who used to go down and fetch water from the stream. And he would carry these two pots suspended over a long board, not like an Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of board, a more normal human <laughs> board. And one of the pots had a crack in it. So when he'd go down and he'd fill the water, pots up with water, by the time he made it back, the one pot was only halfway full. The other pot was full. And so he'd go down with two pots, but he'd only show up with one and a half pots of water. And over time, the one pot, the cracked pot became very self-conscious. It was comparing itself to the other pot of water and saying how it was just inadequate. It didn't do as good a job of returning home. It's like whole purpose of being was to carry water. And it was failing at that every day, showing up with only half as much water as the other pot. Meanwhile, the other pot was kind of gloating about how perfect it was and everything. And finally, after this going on for a period of time, the pot, the cracked pot, confessed the old man and just said, hey, I'm so ashamed of myself. I'm failing you every day. And the old man says, well, why? How are you failing me? And he says, I, I'm... I'm put on this earth to carry water. And every day I'm letting you down because I'm only returning half of it home. I'm deeply ashamed of how much I'm letting you down. And the old man looks at the pot and says, have you noticed all the flowers on your side of the path? He said, I realize I've always been aware that you have some leak. And because of that, I planted seeds along the path so that I'm able to enjoy these beautiful flowers. He said, these beautiful flowers grew because you watered the ground. You were the one that watered the seeds. And every day I'm able to bring these flowers home to my family and we're able to enjoy them at our table and they're able to brighten our lives because of what you do. And the pot looked at the flowers and looked around the home and noticed how much vibrance they brought in, how much joy they brought in. And it realized that its flaw wasn't a flaw, it was actually a strength. See, the problem I think with it too is we're so quick to categorize people by their flaws. You know, many people will try to discount MLK because he had was probably had some sort of adulterous relations. People might try to discount Gandhi because this, my gosh, we're doing this in mass right now with our current political things where most of us know what we can't stand about the other person versus what they actually believe in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the truth is, is that we are all flawed human beings. I do this exercise when I teach live events and on day one, I'll have people come in and make a, a, in a, a range of agreements with me. There's about 10 of them. And it's basically agreements for how they'll conduct themselves over the next several days that we have together. And if people have points of contention with it or anything like that, they're open to ask questions. They're open to explain it. And then I can make concessions for it or I can explain it and then we can come to an agreement. And without fail, you get to a place where 99% of the people agree to the agreements that they will abide by them. Well, lo and behold, by the time we get to the second day, and now keep in mind, these are people who are showing up because they're wanting to grow, wanting to work on themselves, committed, making this commitment, making a proclamation. And we show up on the second day and I ask, okay, who's broken an agreement? And a few hands will timidly go up, the brave ones will. And then a few more will go up once they see the other ones do. And then by the end of it, you find that almost every single person in the group has broken the agreements. And what's fascinating by it is then we try to rationalize and explain and justify why our situation was, our circumstances made for special exception of it. And the exercise is not about who keeps an agreement, who's not. It's to recognize how we show up with our breaking of agreements, how willing we are to fall out of integrity with ourselves but then how quickly we would be to judge somebody else for not keeping their agreements. Yet we're doing it all the time. Mm -hmm. I think this is a really important point when it comes to assigning hope. And then more importantly, it's assigning judgment to others. 
because we see someone doing behaviors that by gosh, there's no way you'd ever catch me to yet every single day, we will likely be out of integrity with ourselves in some, some example of it. And there's opportunity for us to look at that because if we are always labeling folks by their shortcomings, we will always be chopping them off at the foot for them to ever grow. Oh, as you were saying that, not only are we chopping them off, but when we're talking about setting up that hope thing, right? We're actually taking it down. Yeah. So when we start to, when we, when we just judge people on their faults, and when we do that, we invariably expect people to do the same thing to us. The more we do it, right? <laughs> so we, we take what level we would think we would reach to, and we bring it down a notch. Then we take what level, then we do it again. We take, a, we take that level that, that we think we've reached to and bring it up. Then we start to think, well, what's the point of reaching? Because everybody's only judging each other on their flaws and not off of, you know, the climb or where they want to get to or, or how they're bettering yourself. They're saying, but yeah, you, you still think that, or yeah, you still, not even what you do sometimes. You still think this, or yeah, you said that though. Yes. Right? And, and and just and slowly but surely lowering the the bar that you believe that you can even get to, which is hope, which is which sets the standard for your hope. Yeah. And, as you, and then the next thing you know, we're all here and we're just judging each other on all of our flaws, and no one and and and, and no one even has a hope of being better because, unfortunately, we do care about our impact and the effect that we have on other people, and to a certain extent, what other people think about us. And so then we, we, we stop, we stop, we stop climbing because they're going to, they're only going to see the worst of me anyway. So why even reach for that? Why not just, why not just be this? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Or, yeah. or all I'm going to reach for is the stuff because you'll see the stuff and you can't deny the stuff. The internal thing, it doesn't matter because you're going to judge me anyway, but the stuff thing, I can just get more stuff. And now, you know, I have more stuff than you though. That's, I have more stuff. My stuff's nicer though. Yeah, and then we can sort of see too, like, I think that many acts of violence, if not most, are probably an escalation over defense of perceived inadequacies. Whew. Right? So you think about, like, most of those, and if we really step out and think of it from that context, you have people who have this perception of inadequacy absence of hope in that moment, perception of adequacy compared to someone else. And then in so doing now, we are, we are relying on trying to defend that. Because yes. we're not looking to hope, we're looking to this other thing in the moment. Mm -hmm. but it becomes, well, fuck you, no, fuck you. No, you did this, you did that. And then we come to blows, or we go to arms. And that is... In my opinion, that's as much of a societal problem as it is because that's a reflection of all of us. It is, that's it. Right? Mm -hmm. it, 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 it is. And, that's, and that's, that's the, I think, that's when people talk about, like, so everybody's trying to get me to watch this movie called Social Dilemma. <laughs> it's right? uh, It's on Netflix. And um, that's the crux of, of, of that issue right is is that social dilemma is we are um you know caught up in this place where we're trying to, to defend something that made us feel inadequate or get something so that we don't feel inadequate right when in reality right the only thing that fills you up as a person, right, that makes you, you feel good is your connection to other people and a meaningful connection, right? So you think the stuff will change the connection, but it, it, it typically doesn't because it, it some, in some places it does, but it creates more inadequacies or more people or you're doing it based upon this and you're playing that game. And, and, and that gets, it gets fucking ugly and corrosive. Huh. And then people argue about how they get the stuff and, um, but uh, yeah, but the, so 
this is this is what we this is what our conversations are like, guys. When before we pregame, <laughs> this is now you guys are like are are digging into what made me and Jesse uh, start to form a friendship <laughs> in the first place. You know, I think too, it's worth noting, y'all. We Jared and I will sometimes talk for three three and a half hours on around this, like when we record this small snippet. But I. I find so much, I was telling Jared before, I find so much just value because it's like, Jared holds a space for me to stretch myself in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that's really incredible with it too, is it's like, we're able to talk about a lot of the stuff I'm talking with Jared about. And I share with all of you, I would have been terrified to ever even consider beforehand because my own handicapped way of thinking was leaving me in this very limited perception. And now being able to have these conversations with Jared before and after talking through things with him, it's really fascinating how I start to look at and see things before. I feel like I have dots that connect that never would connect before. When you just said that about holding the space to grow, which you do the same thing for me as well. Um, or even encourage sometimes, like show me a space that I'm like, oh, I can grow into that, yeah. <laughs> right? And, and um, it's, it's, I think when you talk about the feelings of inadequacy, when people make an, another statement or a statement that you disagree with or they judge you based upon an action, they're shutting that space down. They're not allowing you to, to grow. Like you said, cut, chopping someone off at the knees limiting the hope of my own internal can i grow beyond this i don't think you can like you know what i mean and and, and so the, the reason why i asked the question in the group this week before today right um I asked the question in the group and it was you know do the beliefs of other people um frustrate you i didn't say anger you or piss you off but frustrate you because they're different from your own or do the or do they do they make you angry or frustrate you because they tell you that you should believe something different, right? And I, I, I like some of the both answers. I like the the honesty of, you know, people saying, because it's just different, because how, could, how can you believe something different from me? And then some people said the latter, right? Because they, they're telling me that I should believe something different than I should, right? And I'm entitled to my own beliefs, right? So I think both, right? I think when people... I think both is, is a true, right? And then I had a, a couple people responded. Uh, I think Jamie did. Um, I think not Nicole. Um, Diane had an interesting response about beliefs being harmful. Um, Jamie and I think it was Wesley, right? Guys, and we opened this up, man. We, want, we wanted some of y'all on here. I definitely want a few of you guys to hop on here at some point because you guys are making some great comments. Um, but they said it's, it has to do with whether or not the person's respectful mm. right? because in how they, and how they say it, because I, I think like there've been things you said to me and I think there've been things I said to you that opened up space for us to believe in something different, right? They opened up space for us to say, okay, maybe I should change my beliefs. Right. And then certain things we just don't agree on, you know, Jordan versus bird or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> but like, you know, where, you know. There are just certain, there are some right versus wrong conversations and that's way on the wrong side of it, but we love them anyway. Anyway, so, <laughs> so, so anyway, <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's the tone in which people disagree with you because I think when we have a disagreement is always, it can always open us up to grow, right? But sometimes it's the tone and the way in which somebody's disagreeing with you or the way it's not, it's not, no one's opening up. And so that's when we get into that, I got to win versus lose. And then when, when people argue from those dynamics as opposed to let's grow to figure it out. And we may grow, I might grow and go more this way and you might grow and go more that way, right? I doubt that that typically does not happen if you both have a growth mindset going into the conversation. But, but just allowing that space to be like, Oh, okay. There is a, and I think that's what we talk about perspective, right? There's a different perspective from mine, right? And and it and I could see how that perspective 
would lead someone to believe that. Yes. Right. And once I can understand how that perspective, see, so I may not never believe that, but I understand why you do. Yes. And if I can understand why you believe it, right, then 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 I can see the 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 the, the congruencies in between the the, the 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 similarities in the why we have our two beliefs. And that's what you talk about when you say that everybody wants love, connection, significance, blase, 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 is that oh, that's your why for that. Makes okay, it makes sense. Now, how can I show you a different why? Right. How can I, you know what I mean? Like, how can I show you that? Oh, this is, this is why you believe that. Let me show you another, another why, another hope system, another structure, right. For, for coming to maybe a different belief or, you know, or even I see your why I can, I can, I can be more understanding of people over here. Although I still disagree with them. I get it. It's not coming from some, destroy the world type of place right uh, and and okay maybe there is some middle ground where we can we can get along where we, we can both be happy or whatever where we can at least get along <laughs> so so anyway that's that's that 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 is i think on the macro on your and I don't know what the scale of hope thing is. I don't know yet. Hopefully, you know, we figure it out or you figure it out or somebody else figures it out and, you know, we all fucking adopt it. But on the individual hope scale, I think the communication has to be figuring out the why behind beliefs and as opposed to allowing someone's belief structure to just straight up and down offend us, right? And, um, or if it does offend, it can offend you still, but still figuring out the why behind it. And, um, and then from, and then from there, the, and it's going to be hard. Cause I, I don't think a lot of people, a lot of us even know why we believe in certain things. I'd agree. Yeah. <laughs> we just, we just, again, we afford ourselves that convenience of right and wrong. And it's, it's, I think when we're doing that, that is, that's a really dangerous dynamic to go into because in so doing you're immediately alienating anybody else. And I think you're excusing yourself from your own learning and you're, you're, you're making someone wrong, not taking a moment to understand their journey about why they arrived at where they are. Yes. And I think if we're really going to grow and evolve together, we have to be willing to expand our own frame of consciousness. This is that whole conscious elevation thing to that. Yes. Because I think, you know, and Jared, one of the things I've been wrestling with, and this is just, I, this is, is the thought is forming as I'm going to blurt it out here. But I think I'm beginning to think more and more through our conversations that one of the ultimate forms of ignorance is not understanding someone's journey and then judging them. Right. And so, I, and I think that goes, that goes deeper than some of what we'll look at often because much of what we're doing on the surface is that. But then, and, and, and then we will, we will often use the spaces of skin color, political beliefs to have that be the judgment. But really when you're going deeper in that, you realize that so much of it is, is that we're judging people based off of not having any consideration whatsoever of their journey of what brought them there. And it's like, I don't remember who said it, but they said, you know, how can you judge me if you don't know me? Well, really knowing me is knowing my journey of what brought me here. And yeah, you just like you. Super deep. It's right? deep, but you explain yeah. the depth. And, and, and so then I, like you, when I popped out a mom, to be loved, wanted to be safe, wanted to have be nurtured, have food. Now, whether that was our life circumstances and it worked out nice and perfectly and that bow was put on it, unfortunately, that's not the case for all of us. And, and then whatever else happened too. And for some of us, 
that was the case and we still had something that happened that we formed a belief around it that led us down a different path and we started to make choice after choice after choice after choice. But again, it is a great convenience that we afford ourselves to judge somebody by a behavior when we acknowledge nothing about their journey to that behavior. And this is where it really goes back to, I think you and I were talking about maybe a few weeks ago, it is, you know, we cannot keep defaulting to judging entire groups of people based off of statistical results. Because I think oftentimes stats are looking at behaviors as opposed to journeys to behaviors. And stats by, by the very nature of data is often void of hope. Because what we're trying to do is we're just trying to distill things down to put things into categories so we can understand, so we can create policies, so we can get funding, whatever it is. And one of my grievances with it would be is there's an absence of hope, right? Of course, you're going to have that if you don't have this. Yes. Of course, that's going to exist if this isn't there. Of course, there's going to be fire where there is smoke. You know, and of course, there's going to be, you know, it's just, it's, that to me is something that I, I guess for me, as I'm sharing with you right now, it seems so much more clear than it was before. You just gave me uh, a thought and I'm not going to say anything else after this because I know you got to go and so do I. Um, the universal hope piece, right? The, the one is probably the most important is, is, is based upon that understanding and not knowing other people's journey, right? Is that in what you just said about statistics is that not only do we need to create hope for ourselves and our individual selves and our own families, right? But we need to think about what do our belief systems do in terms of having hope for other groups of people and other groups of because if mm -hmm. I if I, if what I want to do is if if I if I want to believe those statistics without knowing anything about that person, right? Or really, you know what I mean? Like the the people like if I want to take these statistics and implant a belief system underneath of it on a group of people based on those statistics, then I have no hope for that group of people, or I've limited my hope or belief in that group of people based upon these statistics. And then, uh, then on top of that, I'm doing it without knowing anything about them as individuals. Does that make any kind of sense? Like, I, I, I strip, you'll, they'll never be better than this. Or this is what this is, this, these people are. And I don't know anything about them. I don't know anything ab about them, like their individual life. I just know this behavior and this action. And then I just said, there's your ceiling. That's it. That's the hope that you can have is just, this is, you know, and what, and, and, and how does that affect how we all communicate with one another? Because we have the whole, our entire hope, whatever system for that group, that person. Then when we talk about terrorists or people in the Middle East and whatever, without thinking about the fact that they may have been indoctrinated in this thing from five or six years old. So our hope for their future generations is, that yeah. <laughs> yeah. right as opposed yeah. to as opposed to something different and 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 it and once we do that once we change our hope for another person or our hope to believe that they can be better our own belief that they can be better and they can do better then we force ourselves to treat them differently we force ourselves to behave our actions our behaviors around that group to be incredibly different. We're, we're close to that. Think that they could be something else. And, and, and I think, I think that is, that is the, the universal cope has to keep, universal fundamental has to keep the door open that all people can grow beyond where they are. All groups of people can grow beyond where they are. All governments can grow beyond where they are. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, it has to, it has to expand to that. And, 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 uh, and that's it. And and I will say this. I think I think America still to me is is, is is the greatest example. To me. That's my personal opinion. Right. Um and, and if I look around the world, 
even out of China, you see China to grow, right? To become, you know, any kind of, you know, to grow to where it has, it had to become a more open market. It had to switch its economic system to adopt certain capitalistic principles. It had to, right? And that's a fact. Russia had to, it's a fact, right? So, okay, now I'm gonna get into my personal political beliefs about economics and capitalism and all that kind of stuff. I'm not gonna do that, but, <laughs> but there are certain steps that if you're going to grow, you have to take, right? Or you fucking hit a wall and then you can look at some of the most authoritarian type of things, you know, governments, countries, in the world, and if they didn't evolve beyond it, they fell. And and so, hope that that gives you hope <laughs> that things can be better, and we can believe in other peoples and other nations, other countries, and maybe there'll be a day where we're all fucking, excuse my language, sitting singing kumbaya and you know reading, you know spirituals or some shit like that. I don't know. I think it could be. Yeah. I I think that's the oh shit I gotta go. I think that's gotta be our future. I appreciate you, man. And everybody, just uh, what's hope for you? Contribute to questions, comments. If you have questions for us, type them in. It'd be incredible to hear from all of you about what hope is for you. How do we create hope? Your experiences with hope. You know, what did you take away from this? Let's evolve a discussion, and we'll see you all next week. Yes, big hope, small hope. Big hope, small hope. All of it. <laughs> okay.